Hey everybody, I am David, aka PV Plant Guy, and I'd like to welcome you back to Plant Personalities with PV Plant Guy. This podcast breaks down who people are behind their social media walls. So in the plant world, there are so many different types of content creators, and I want to know who they are behind their reels and their pictures and their stories and their TikToks and everything social media. So today, I'm lucky to have Johnny all the way from the UK also known as the Bearded Plantaholic. So, Johnny, how are you doing today? Dude, Dave, what an absolute honor. Thank you so much for uh, inviting me to this show. It's uh, exceedingly exciting to hear your voice finally, live instead of through a reel. Right, and I can say the same thing. I, I was talking to you very briefly before we went live, and I basically was telling you how you, you sound like a movie star, which is pretty awesome. <laughs> And I was telling you the same thing. I was saying, talking to you seems like I'm in Hollywood. Do you know what I mean? It's it's day and night, man. It's day and night. That's <laughs> so funny. Um, so you're going through like a huge storm over in the UK right now. Yes, currently being attacked by Storm Eunice, which, I mean, don't get me wrong, as far as American standards are concerned, is probably a small walk in the park. You guys, as I, as I said earlier, have sort of grounds opening, dumper tornadoes and all of that. But we've got some severe 100 mile an hour winds and, and quite a lot of rain. So we did, we did have the power out for about 18 hours uh, yesterday, which was a bit of a nightmare. Uh, but thank, thankfully, we're back on. So if there is a bit of static, apologies. No worries. It's, it's totally fine. Um, we have hurricanes here which are very similar to what you're describing. Um, 100 mile an hour winds are pretty bad. Um, we'd, we'd see some things knocked down here if we had that. So yeah, it's definitely no walk in the park. Uh, no, that, that's, that's reassuring. I think I've been watching too many Hollywood films, obviously. Oh yeah, like Twister and all, all those Absolutely. other good ones. You got it, you got it. As far as I'm concerned, that is America. I, <laughs> yeah. haven't, had the, I haven't had the pleasure of, of, of being in your country yet. Hopefully there are no cows flying where you are. No, exactly. That was a good warning sign. I benchmarked that as trouble. So, okay, so you said you mentioned you were 18 hours without power, and I know a lot of your plants are under grow lights, so is everyone okay? Everyone is okay. It was, you know what, I was actually more worried about the fish. I thought to myself, every now and then, if it's 24 hours, sometimes my lights are on for 24 hours or off, it doesn't really make much of a difference to my plants, um, as they're not in any flowering cycle. Um, but it was the filter on my fish tank that I was worried about most of all. But no, thankfully, everything and everyone is all happy. That is great news. What type of fish do you have? I have guppies. You know, it started off as a, as a small prop tank that I bought off Amazon for 20 quid. Um, and I'm just going to put in some plants in there, some moss. And then I had sort of ex- exolots and all sorts of funky animals before when I was living in Paris. We can talk about that another time or later on. Um, and, and I thought to myself, well, this fish tank propagation is the best way. You know, we, we, if you have got a fish tank, the water that, that the fish produces is full of phosphorus, nitrogen, um, amino, you know, all sorts of things that are absolutely brilliant for, for plants as well, as far as nutritive feed is concerned. So I thought to myself, I can propagate um, the water itself. I can use for the plants. It's slightly heated. So it gives, you know, it's really good for the philodendrons. And philodendrons is probably one of my main plants that I keep. Um, so yeah, it started like that and guppies and shrimp now, um, I started off with 10, there's about 50 of them now. So I am looking to slowly get a bigger, a bigger fish tank, maybe for Christmas if I'm lucky. That sounds amazing. So I used to have fish as a kid 
And so anyone yeah. that now has a fish tank, I'm just like in awe because I miss taking care of it so much. I just don't have the time. So I, and, and there's so many, like you said, so many benefits with using it to water your plants. So man, I'm, I'm jealous. <laughs> but, but you know, what? it's, it's weird to say, you know, people talk about time, but if you set that up and you're growing quite a lot of pothos or devil's ivy or whatever you want to call out of it, and those roots are in your fish tank, you only have to do a third of a water change, you know, once a month, once every two months. I even back in the day had a non-filtered massive vase that I transformed into a small guppy tank and I never changed the water for over five years. It was literally just filtered with different type of plants that were rooted in it. Um, so there are ways, if it is about time, that you can kind of leave it and it gets on by itself. It's all quite symbiotic, the relationship between, between plants and fish. Right, and you're making a mini ecosystem in that totally. glass box that you have, which is amazing. Hundred percent, See, I had a saltwater tank in college, and I moved it four times because yeah. I had it for four years, and it was just a pain in the butt. And I moved it from different cities because I graduated and I got a job in a different city, and I was just like so fed up with it that I ultimately sold it. But if I were to get a fi another fish tank, it would be freshwater. And I just love African cichlids. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, you know what? I'm jealous because I've always actually wanted a saltwater tank. But I always found, and I don't know if this is true or not, that it was a more expensive hobby. And, and you had to be very good about, you know, the filtration and everything. And mm -hmm. obviously, you can't be using that water with plants um really as far as watering is concerned the salting but yeah the the reef side of things and the coral that you can grow in those are just phenomenal absolutely phenomenal a completely beautiful and you know i had different types of clownfish anemones i had some coral i didn't get too much into it because my lighting wasn't where it needed to be but you know i had some different types of shrimp and it was just fun to play around with and yeah of a more expensive hobby and um a lot well, of time expensive i suppose we're into expensive plants now it's probably give or take between that and fish tank. i mean it's probably a good thing you gave up one of them dave right right yeah I, you see, you know, I don't mind paying $50 for a plant and, you know, it's like 50, 50 to $80 for a fish, same thing. But the thing is, it, there's a lot more risk that goes into a, a fish tank because you, your water levels could be off and your fish or your coral could easily die. Where I feel like the plants, there's a little more forgiveness there. 100%. There's no chopping and propagating with those fish either, the poor buggers. Do you know what I mean? It, exactly. Yeah. Once it's gone, it's gone. <laughs> there's no chance in trying to revive it. There's no it. turning back, David. There's no turning back. No. So tell me a little bit about how you got into plants. Well, I know it, it, it does sound like a cliche because I do feel like most people repeat exactly what I'm going to say, but I, it, it's the truth. It's got to be told. It's, it's my mother. My mother and father, both very keen gardeners, um, obviously outdoor gardeners. We've got um, a three acre garden, which is sort of a very British garden that they pride themselves with every day they've been out there for for my entire life and from before. And we do open our gardens to the public as well. So it was something that I always, I was always interested in, maybe less of the weeding, but more of what the plants looked like. Um, and I found myself liking and being attracted to the more tropical outdoor plants. Obviously being in the UK, um, we're not blessed with your climate. So it's a bit more a bit more tricky to get real tropicals in there, but there are some that do survive and that are hardier. Um, 
And that's what slowly got me into more the house plant side of things because I was seeing leaves and plants that I'm not sure if this is very PC or not, but turned me on. It attracted me. I wanted those shapes and those colors and, and those variegations. And you couldn't have that with outdoor plants because obviously they needed a more warmer temperature or, or slightly more humidity or, or less damp, as, as you know, England is associated with rain. Um, so, so that's the journey, really, through my mum, through seeing her propagating, um, planting, digging, fertilising, making compost and all sorts. I sort of took that on and, like most things in life, tried to take what my mum gave me and, and adapt and try and better it into another way of, of indoor gardening. So that's where it all began. And I can relate to you because my my dad grew a garden outside. I'm from New England originally, so every summer I'd help him. So I yeah. feel like a lot of the interest of plants kind of stems from the childhood. Totally. Of- it's. I mean, I suppose it's like life generally, isn't it? Lots of our experiences and surroundings and everything form us as we grow as a human. So, so yeah, as far as the hobbies and, and, and the likes that we've been attracted to as childhood, I suppose they push out as we get older. Right. And I know that your collection is absolutely stunning and it looks like, no, it's, it's so cool. Like when you post reels, I'm just like looking at, I find myself like clicking into your profile and just like scrolling through what you have on display because it's also cool with the different, with the different grow lights you have that kind of come off more purple. It's just like the, the colors are beautiful. And I just really wanted to commend you on your collection. And I want a little bit, I want to know a little bit more about your setup. So, yeah, absolutely. Firstly, thank you, bro, because we don't, well, I'm not very good with compliments, but it's always so nice to, to hear somebody compliment the jungle. Um, so thank you. It's very kind. Um, the setup, what can I say? I moved back to the UK, I think it's about five years ago now. So um, originally born in London, um, moved over to the countryside in the Malvern Hills, and then I'd left when I was 19 studied in in paris and then continued working there and came back five years ago i started collecting a little bit in paris but it was your bog standard uh, cheese plants different pothoses stuff that you'd find in your local hardware store or, or plant store rather than anything too precious shall we say um and i made a little mini jungle in, in my apartment over there but nothing nothing to the extent of today and then when I came back, I actually brought a truck back and filled it with all of my plants because it got to a point where I was, you know, it's definitely my thing. I'd realized that this is definitely a passion that wasn't going to be a phase thing where for a year I'd be crazy about something and then I'd stop doing it. It was something that had always been there for me. So I brought it back over here and then started to, to get to work. So we moved into this. This house actually is... Um, is I, I've owned it since the time I was 17. My father actually was very lucky that he, he built me this house when I was young. And I'd moved away um, from, from, our, from our estate and I'd gone to Paris, came back again, and came back to live in this house and thought, right, what, what can I do to this to make it, make it mine? And there's a big sort of porch conservatory entrance area on, on two levels um, in the middle of the house, which is the main middle section. And then you've got the wings on each side. Um, and in that section, there's a lot of windows in the downstairs area. And in the upstairs area, it's a very high roof space. So it was there that I slowly saw what I could work with and which levels I could work with, because it's it's always been a dream to live in a jungle. I know it sounds stupid and a little bit weird, but 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 who cares, I suppose? It's just being surrounded with that greenery. I'm not going to get that in the UK. I'm not going to be able to 
walk outside and get into any sort of tropical jungle. And it was the aim to create something at home. I feel like we, we spend a lot of our money um, in today's world on, on rent, on bills, and it's a lot of our salary. So if we're not spending any time enjoying what we're spending our money on most, which is our home and where we, where we spend our downtime. So I thought, let's, let's make something. And it started discovering about UV lights because where I live, there's the downstairs area, which is moderately bright, but it's quite deep. So there's no light going further into the, into the space. And upstairs, there's only a few, obviously, sunlights coming through. Um, so UV lights, I started off, obviously, with these pink ones, when I didn't really know much about what I was doing. Um, so I'd set up some of my plants. I probably only had about 50 plants at the time. They were all lined up downstairs on one side. Um, and as I mentioned, this was the entrance to my house. So now you can't actually get into my house through this entrance. You have to use another entrance because I've finally got so many plants. It's blocked off the entire entrance. Um, but so I got into these lights, these, these sort of, like you say, these purpley lights that I still swear by to a certain extent because the, the purple lights, obviously different light in the spectrum, but it does promote a thicker plant. Um, and obviously if you are using flowering plants as well, it promotes flowering as well. So as, as a first stage, when you get in some of these cuttings, I find uh, are quite close to these purple lights, does allow them to bush out and grow quite quickly. And then with time, it wasn't something that pleased me, uh, the purple lights alone, because I find that it didn't light up and show off the plants enough. It sort of dulled them out. So I did find some other brands, um, definitely not sponsored by any brands, so I won't be mentioning them, but, but they're great brands out there. And this one specific brand that I do use, it's on my Instagram, I speak about it in some of my reels. I find their, their lamps and their bulbs exceptional. So I use those, which is a lovely white light. Um, and so the downstairs area is a more humid environment. So I've got a couple of humidifiers in there. It's, it's ridiculous to say, but probably about 20 light bulbs at 36 watts each um, and, and the blue lights. And then as you go upstairs, you've got a jungle sort of canopy going upstairs with the plants growing higher. And, and then upstairs is the propagation room. So I've got a, a moderately big greenhouse inside of my house now um, that contains all of my propagations. And uh, it, it's, it's enabled me to attempt to, this year, um, become a bit more sustainable with the addiction. So with the, with the propagations that I make, um, I sort of either swap them um, or, or, or sell them off to other collectors. Uh, and in exchange, it enables me to buy some more plants because it was getting to the point, David, as you can probably know yourself, that it, it does get, you know, the partners start complaining a bit sometimes. Yes, you you are not wrong there. And I, I just want to say that if anyone goes to your profile, like all of your plants are absolutely stunning. Like they all look so healthy. And oh, thank you, bro. I, the, one of my struggles is being able to keep all of my plants healthy because I either like forget to water it at one point because, you know, they're not really on a schedule or, you know, heavens, I may overwater it or th there's just – a lot of skill that goes into keeping every plant looking perfect. And if you look at your profile, you can see that a lot of the plants, even just like hanging out in the background in their, in their natural habitat, if you will, are looking super healthy. So how do you manage to stay on top of all the plants that you have? And yeah, how do you, um, how do you manage to keep them? How do you manage to keep them looking so good? Like what is your care routine? Care routine, crikey. You know what? I will tell you because there is a lot of time and effort that goes into it. But 
there are a lot of plants out there that the less you bloody fiddle with them, the better they will be. And one thing that I have learned, not all plants, but the majority of plants will actually do and last a lot longer in dry soil than you will ever imagine. And I'm not talking about alocasias, but most other plants. So care routines. You know what? My first thing that I'd say to anybody is I'm profoundly lazy. Um, so everything that I do is in an attempt to simplify life. Now, in doing so, I keep all of my plants in two rooms of the house. I'm lucky enough to say that they're moderately big rooms. But if my plants were spread across the house, they will die, David. I will forget to water plants and I will care for them less. So the, the first thing for me is grouping plants that makes it so much easier to care for in the long term because you're not going to forget any of them. Right. The, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know about you. I know you've got a few plant areas, but I feel like you have got plants everywhere in every room as well, there, haven't you? A few, a few rooms. So my husband's office has a few plants, and those um, I often forget about because I'm not in. I'm in here every Sunday doing the podcast, so I always look at them once a week. And um, during the week, if one needs water, it, it probably won't get that water until Sunday. But totally. um, I have some plants just in my like general living area, some accent plants. But the majority of them are in my office, and then outside yeah. on my patio. So yeah, grouping plants. But some of those ones that I have, like you know, off to the side, like my philodendron and micans, I just forget to water it because I'm not looking at it all the time. That's Luckily, exactly it. That's exactly it for me. And that's, that's where I say the, the, the main thing for me is that if, if I had plants in every room of the house, I'd be the same. I think also is, is knowing your plants. It's something, I know it sounds silly, but over time, you, you do tend to understand plants. And, and I'll tell you straight, whenever I get a new plant, it's first few leaves will not look the nicest they might be slightly yellow they might have some ruffles in them because i might have watered a little bit too much because i've forgotten one day and over watered a bit until i understand where that plant is and how often i can water or how often i can forget um the size of the pot and where you place it has a huge has a huge play as well with what's going on so before when i when i had more space because i had less plants I was always somebody that planted in bigger pots. And I know that there's this huge thing where you, you go one pot size up each time and this and that. And I don't listen to all that rubbish. I'm making my life easier. It's got soil. If it was in nature, it's not in a pot. It's in a massive ground and it's just growing. So I'm not going to listen to somebody telling me it's got to be in a pot size. I put it in a big pot and that allowed the soil to stay moist for longer. Now, over time, when it's become more of a problem with space, I will pop pot plants into smaller pots. But then I'm also misting. Now, I mean, it's, there's so many subjects, David. I don't know where to start. I'm going off on a red herring and thinking mm -hmm. I want to explain something else. Um, the, the spraying, you know, you don't have to mist your plants. I personally am a mister. I enjoy misting my plants. Also, in my plant mix at all times, there's neem oil, horticultural soap, fertilizer, euchre extract, and probably a bit of banana peel water as well. Um, and, and that's just a general mix that's always in my spray can, that whenever I feel like it, whether that be once, twice, three times a day, or once every two days, I will go ahead and spray the jungle. Now, this, this acts as a preventative method. I'm not saying I don't get pests, 
but it acts as a preventative method to control your outbreaks of pests with the neem oil. It also helps fertilize through the leaves for a lot of your plants. And at the same time, because all of these plants are so grouped together, each time water does fall and drop, it drops into a pot. So there's always a little bit of moisture just by spraying, which enables me to, to not have to do that big water that everybody seems to, to, well, not everybody, but a lot of people seem to do. And, and, and like you, I, I would definitely say, do not listen to, to anything that's written on a plant that says water every 10 days or every seven days or every two days, because everyone's pot's different, the soil mix is different, the temperature, the humidity, where you place it, and there's too many variables to be able to listen to that without considering the rest. So it, it's, it's over time, you'll gain this knowledge through your plants, but it's spending time learning with them. If there's a yellow leaf, what have I done wrong? Are there pests? No. Is the soil too moist? Yes. Well, maybe I'm overwatering. Is you know, is is it got too much light? Is it too close to this light? And it's trial and error. And and over the years as well, I mean, it's been what, I'd say ten to twelve years now. I've been, I've been passionate. I wouldn't say crazy like I am now, but passionate about. And then it's it's something that you just gain over time. I think a, a feel of when to water and when you don't have to. But that misting definitely does extend the time between waterings. You've summed that up beautifully. And I see, I love talking about misting because there are so many different opinions on it, just like with anything in plant care. And what, you know, what works for you may not work for me. And a lot of the times, like the, the content that I, for example, make on Instagram is a lot of the time geared towards new plant parents. And it's hard to sum what you just said in a, in a 10 second reel, because it's a lot of how we take care of our plants is learned behavior. And it's like, you know, in your gut what to do and what it needs. And it's hard to kind of put it into a checklist for someone who has no idea what they're doing. I tell you what, though, that last reel of yours that you posted not too long ago, that was perfection summed up there on your pests. I mean, you couldn't have said it better. That is, I mean, 90% of questions that I get is pest control. And literally all I'm going to do from now on is copy and paste your reel. Yeah, I appreciate that. And, you know, people, you know, people are saying, oh, you should try neem oil. It's like, yeah, well, I've tried neem oil, but I didn't put it on here because it doesn't always work for me. Totally. And neem oil is literally preventative. If you've got bugs and you start spraying neem oil, it might kill a few, but it's not going to kill them all. It's not actually the spray of the neem oil on the bug that kills them. The plant actually takes in and absorbs the neem oil as a sort of poison to these pests, not to the plant itself. So then when the pest eats at your plant, that is when the pest will die. And the actual cycle for that neem oil to actually be in that plant system is three weeks to a month of treating it with neem oil before it's in that plant system. So that, that's why, for, yeah, like you said, firstly, totally, dude, what works for some does not work for others. I cannot grow anything 100% in sphagnum moss. It'll rot and it won't grow. People around the world are growing in sphagnum moss, some insane specimens. It doesn't work for me. Perlite, lecca, pon can sod right off, excuse my friend. It's it's not for me, it doesn't work, but people do it and it's thriving, absolutely thriving. Do you know what I mean? So like you said, it's something to take away for everybody. Whoever the person is that's telling you what to do, 
it's a pointer it's a way that could work but it might not work for you so don't feel bad if certain things don't work it doesn't mean that you're a bad person right and i'm i'm glad that you said sphagnum moss doesn't work for you because i also have a very hard time with sphagnum moss i feel like the outside or the top will dry out and i can never gauge how moist the middle is so i don't want to overwater it and it's just i i totally i I can't stand i mean i love the stuff as a topper i think it's essential for soil mixes obviously for moss poles or moss walls or whatever you want to buy. I've got it in my prop box with, with a soil mix as a top layer. I think it's brilliant, but just by itself, I cannot get it to work. It just, it's, there's no, I'm not even going to bother risking it. When you, when you know what works for you, I feel like unless you're really inclined to think, Hey, I've got five of these 200 pound plants and who cares if one dies, um, you know, I can't be in that situation. So for me, I've got one of these plants. I know that water propagation works for me. So that's what I'm going to do. Do you know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. And I like to stick to my guns. And I know that there, I want to try some things, you know, like I've recently gotten into pond, which I'm making a slow transition to, which is working for me. But again, I'm not going to put one of my prized plants in it. I'm really confident enough, isn't it? Right. And it's like, you know what? I'm not going to fix it if it's not broken. Totally, sir. Totally. Absolutely. So that's kind of my mantra. And you seem to be on the same page as me. So, yeah, I think we definitely we definitely have a lot in common. It's just that your collection is probably like four times the size of mine. And (laughs) you have a few. No, I I've been cleaning up my collection over the past few months. Um, I had a few kind of pass away during this winter's freeze, and I want to make my house look a little bit more visually appealing as opposed to just having thing having plants just like everywhere. So I want my pots to be more uniform, and I want it to kind of have like a nice tropical feel. So I think that takes time. Especially, you know, if you're moving, if you're upgrading a plant, you want to make sure that you're, if you're up potting a plant, I want to make sure that it's going to be in a pot that's going to match the style of my house. So that takes a lot more planning as opposed to just bringing something home and throwing it in a corner, which I love doing. Don't get me wrong. Um, so I, 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 I get... feel like that isn't, I feel it's so strange you should say that because I do feel that this could be a common trait between all of us that when we get to a certain point of our collection that we feel like we should be whatever we have we should be concentrating firstly on what we really love what what my problem before was literally anything in the rescue section in garden centers anything uh would be put in the basket any big plant that was less than 30 quid would be put in the basket anything labeled alocasia philodendron even if i you know anything would go in and I and don't get me wrong, I love them and I'm not going to get rid of them. But I've got to the point now where a bit like you, I now only want to add things to my collection that I know I really, really want and I really love. And it, it, it's a difference from maybe spending the same amount of money, but only once in three months rather than every single month. But I know then that what I've got now is exactly what I want. And I think when you get to a certain size of your collection... Uh, you know, space as well. You 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 do try and be more selective uh, and designer friendly. I think with your stuff, I a hundred percent agree. Again, you couldn't have said it any better. Like, I don't need any more calatheas in my collection. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I stopped them a while ago, my friend. Crikey. Oh, 
Yeah, they're beautiful, but you know what? Too much work. I don't need to be watering it every three days. Like I just want to be able to look at it and not have it have crispy edges or dying leaves or spider mites. Um, so I just have uh, I have two left, and that's it. That's that's all yeah, I'm so sticking with. I think with. I've got an Orbi, and and that's it as far as Calatheas are concerned. I never knew how to handle them at all. They all died on me. I tried an Orbi. Did well, suddenly pulled a hissy fit, started crusting everywhere. I put him out of the way on the top floor, um, hardly any light, um, a lot warmer, but I didn't do it on purpose. It suddenly came back to life, looked absolutely stunning, brought it back downstairs, started dying again. So moral of the story is Calatheas, find somewhere where it thrives and don't ever bloody touch it again. Right, kind of like a fiddly fig. Exactly. You know what? I've been lucky with this fiddly fig malarkey because I've seen so many people online with these problems with the fig, and it's probably going to curse me. But this fiddly fig that I've got has been through hell. Literally, I think it went through maybe three months, and I hadn't watered it. And this bugger is still going for it. Absolutely fine. I'm 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 shocked. I don't know if it's just luck so far, but um, but I've been very lucky with it. Seeing all of these with yeah, I don't know how. I don't know how. But he's he's thriving on neglect at the moment, and some plants do, and there's absolutely. nothing wrong with that. No, absolutely. Like I said to begin with, it, it's it's funny. People say to you, "How do you get it like that?" Is don't don't touch it. Stop fiddling with it. Do you know what I mean? Walk past and look at it. Give it a spray if you want. Then go and sit down. Look at it from afar. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Right. Don't go around touching its leaves, trying to unfurl a bit of the leaf, and all. just let it do its thing. Right. Right. So I want to change gears a little bit here. I want to talk about social media because obviously that's how we connected. But how did you get into posting your plants on social media? So weirdly, nobody knew I had plants or a jungle apart from my parents and my partner. Um, Because I'm a bit of a hermit apart from work life. I don't really, you know, I don't really do much socially. Um, And then lockdown hit. And I was at home and I was looking at my plants and then I, I don't know why. I just suddenly thought to myself, I want to share this. I want to show other people because nobody really knows that this exists. And then I didn't know that the plant community existed. I didn't know to what extent there were other weirdos like me out there. Do you know what I mean? And so, Oh, oh, oh yeah. It, it, was, it was incredible. So I started posting, I think it was at the beginning of lockdown. It was a year ago on the 28th of January, so just over a year ago, I opened up the, the Instagram account, started sharing about the house, about me collecting the plants, buying more plants, and slowly making without having the aim of the end product being what it is, but just adding to the collection and creating a jungle. And slowly over the last year, it's just been incredible. I've had them... Um, I've had a few of the news channels come over to the house. I've been in the papers. Weirdly, today I was in the newspaper again. Um, there was an article in our Daily Star newspaper talking about um, this dude that's made a jungle in his house. Um, I've had a couple of BBC things on the TV. I'm now part of the Bearded Growers Radio. So we have a, a radio show where we every Monday, a couple of hours where we talk about gardening and, and, and like this, actually interview some other gardening people in the UK um, that, that are well known. And it's it's just spiraled. I've met so many amazing and incredible people. And it's it's refreshing, to be honest, to, to, to find other like-minded people with, with a passion. And, and even more so people that seem so normal and yet are so out there like, like me, like you, like, like, like other people like us. So it's, it's just been overwhelmingly beautiful 
I mean, that's the only way I could describe it. It's been beautiful, Dave. And a lot of us really connected through COVID. I feel like if we didn't have this pandemic, A, people wouldn't have gotten into houseplants, and B, people wouldn't have decided to share their stories on social media. And so now we've been, you know, the the human race and mankind it, itself is just very resilient, right? And so here we are, you know, kind of getting back to normal, um, but we are left with this plant community that is still going strong. And I, don't, I, I said this last week, I don't think that the plant hobby is going away anytime soon. I feel like it's still growing and with market changes and with technology to where we can connect with people across the pond, there is so much to discover because plants are, there's so much out there that we don't know about. hundred percent, hundred percent. It's every day when I go on Instagram, I mean, let me not exaggerate. Let's say every two to three days, if I'm deadly honest, I'll see a plant that I haven't seen before and I'm shocked and I want it. And and sometimes I find myself looking at these plants wondering, is that an actual plant or is it photoshopped? How could it be this long that I've never even seen this exist? I think it was called a pharaoh's mask about a month ago. It's an alocasia and I, I still till today, I'm not sure is it real or not. It's absolutely incredible. I don't know if you've seen this plant. I have not. Um, okay, well, it... one to take away with you, and you can let me know what you think after the show. The pharaoh mask alocasia. Okay. Was it, would you want one, and is it real? That's my question. Okay. I, I'm going to have to do some research. <laughs> Trust me, it, it's mind-boggling. I mean, it's a bit like that green planet. I don't know if you've, if you've watched our, our holy one, David Attenborough's latest the green planet series that came out. Um, I have not. David, David, David. Is it on Netflix? It's on, you know what? It's not on Netflix, actually. I was on BBC Replay, to be deadly honest, but I doubt that's going to be over your side of the the pond. Um, But you'll be able to find it online somewhere. I'm sure it'll probably find its way to YouTube by now. Um, Yeah, David, David Attenborough has released over this last month The Green Planet, and this is an entire six-episode series like he's done with the Blue Planet, like he's done everything, that is only about plants. And it shows all different plant species and how, they, how they've come about, how they've survived, how they create. And even in that series, there are some things in there that will just blow your mind. The, 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 the one for me that blew my mind completely, believe it or not, was underwater plants. There, there are some things in there that, that I'd never seen before. It's just, it's mind blowing. So yeah, coming back to what we were saying, sorry, I digress. Um, is yeah, social media has brought us all together and been able to, to share knowledge, share plants. And obviously with this in keeping and with the hobby that we've all managed to, I think there's only a small population of us that have given up really. Um, I feel like, yeah, it's definitely, is it a millennial thing, Dave? Are, are we all millennials doing this? I think the majority of us are, but I also feel like there is a good generation, a good portion of Gen Z that is getting into plants as well. Yeah, it's a, it's a good mix. But yeah, I do feel, yeah, it's just being able to connect with people. I mean, I personally, like like I might have mentioned, I live out in the middle of the country in the Midlands. It's in the hills. Okay. Um, um, so it's a very picturesque, beautiful place, but it's not somewhere where you'd walk out and find another plant freak down the road. Do you know what I mean? 
So right. It's, it's definitely enabled us to connect and, and share knowledge and, and wisdom across, across the world. It's incredible. What I really like about the plant community is that there are people that have a few plants that ask me for advice, and yeah. that's how I can connect to more people. Obviously, there's uh, you know the the very passionate folks like you and me, but then you have the oh I have a house I have a peace lily and you know it's, it's a big one and I don't want to kill it like and they just come to me all the time asking for yeah. advice and it works. So it's like a, a, another way to connect to people. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Helping people is is weirdly something that can not only connects you with them, but leaves a bit of you with that person as well. Right, and it's a it's a great icebreaker answer too. I mean, I with my real job, my 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 nine to five, my eight to five, if you will. I work in healthcare. Um, yes. You know, I'll always like tie in plants when we have a meeting with an icebreaker, just because it's something that I'm passionate about, and no one really knows about it. So always happy to kind of loop them into the plant community. Um, so let me ask you this. So what do you do for, for work? For, for work in today's world now, I'm actually a marketing director. So I, I work on all sorts of digital marketing. I do a bit of classic marketing, but mainly everything to do with the internet. So websites, GDN, PPC, email marketing, design, videography, um, that, that type of stuff. So I work with different people, different teams, and we, we try and make magic on a digital plane. That is awesome. And you do this all from your home, I'm assuming? Uh, before lockdown, weirdly, I didn't do it all from home. So I did go in and work with different people. But lockdown has sort of been able to show people that I work with that, that everything can be done quite as easily from home. And I, I, I'd go so far as to say I'm blessed with the personality that I have now um, to be able to do most of it from home. So I think I'm probably out of the house for about a week of the month doing a bit of traveling here and there and meeting and greeting. Um, but apart from that, yeah, most of the month I'm at home, which don't get me wrong, is also brilliant for plant care. Yeah, and you get to work from your jungle. Absolutely. I tell you what, that was the main shocker, I think, some of the video, video interviews or video calls with different people from work. Yeah, now that Zoom and all of this malarkey took off during lockdown for work mm -hmm. purposes. And seeing me sitting in the middle of everywhere, some of them sort of flabbergasted, thinking, what the hell are you doing? Some of them thought it was a green screen. It was brilliant. <laughs> That's hilarious. To change the green screen. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, I'm sure it makes a great backdrop. You don't even need a, a virtual background when you literally have a jungle in your house. Absolutely. And, and that was my icebreaker, I think, in, in, the, in the virtual world that we entered over lockdown was, was not only that, but I was in the jungle when they called up and it was, uh, it was handy. For, 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 for clients and for, and for customers, it was handy. Wow. So let me ask you this. What are your yes, plans sir. with your jungle as we continue in this world of intermittent lockdown and working from home? You know, we talked about how it's important to kind of pick out specimens that are important to us. But what what plans do you have with expanding it? Well, weirdly, I have actually started to, to do some drawings. So, I mean, I've got like, my day job, but we also have a holiday rental. So we live in the middle of the countryside. It's on a 20-acre estate. Um, my parents live in, 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 a, in a manor on one side. I live in a, in a barn conversion on the other side. And we've got a holiday rental um, as well that we, that we rent out, which is also part of the family business. So... Mm -hmm. After we made this this building, I've been in contact with with the people that, that helped us with that, 
And I'm starting to do some drawings and looking into the possibility of putting an extension on my house, um, which would, in essence, be a greenhouse joined to my house. Um, because the, the, the problem today is space. And, and literally, I know it sounds silly, but if I put plants in other rooms, Dave, they will die. Mm-hmm. I will forget about them. I'm not going to treat them as well. If I haven't watered them for two weeks, when I water them, I'll water so much that it's drowning in water. Um, so I won't look after them properly. So I need them all in sort of one or two rooms that are joined. So th- the plan is hopefully over this year to come up with a final uh, drawing of exactly the type of creation that I want. And either by the end of this year or next year, um, start to build the extension on the house for the plants. So would you move all of your plants into that greenhouse or would you keep your downstairs area full of plants too? So, so this is this is the conundrum at the moment because if I take them out, which I have no qualms in doing so, but I feel like my house will be completely empty, Dave. I feel like you'd it would just... I don't know. After having a jungle in your house and going back to just seeing a stair rail, a nude stair rail going up this, I just don't think I could do it. So I think some have got to stay. Um, but some of the bigger specimens, obviously, I'm in a, I'm in a sort of very old converted barn. Um, so the, so the, the ceilings, apart from in the middle area, are quite low down. So I've even got to the point where some of my bird of paradises are too big. Um, so, so the big plants are the first ones that I'm going to move out. The smaller ones, I think, are, 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 I'll keep where they are for now and just fortunately or unfortunately add to the collection. Right. I mean, I'm very interested to see how you move forward with those plans once the greenhouse is built, because who knows, that could completely change. This is, this is what's scary as well, you know, like we mentioned about, you know, Pon, if you're changing from from normal soil mixes to pon, it's a little bit worrying. It's a change, and it's that same thing here. Changing from something that these plants have been used to in an environment that's been a certain way for so long to this greenhouse, where essentially, obviously, it's going to be heated. But I don't want to be spending too much money on heating either for winter months. But I don't want that that difference between the heat and the cold to be too much either. And I don't know how that's going to react. And obviously. Well, not obviously, but there's a big brick wall um, is, is on the side of one of the of my house. And the greenhouse will be up against this big brick wall with an entrance inside. Um, and the plan would be, ideally, all of these climbers that I have, um, to put them all up against this brick wall and let them attach. Mm-hmm. But obviously, that's something where, unless I'm, I'm keeping strapping them or pinning them to this big brick wall, humidity is definitely key. Um, so, so it all depends. It's going to be a learning process. Uh, it, it's so funny if it's an all glass roof, which is something that I'd love. Um, it's going to get so much more light. The plants will thrive, but at the same time, it's going to keep the heat in so much less. So it's, it's playing around with things, playing around with drainage as well, because it's going to be a room in my house, um, that everybody can access. But at the same time, I'd quite like the ease to be able to put a watering, uh, can or a watering um a hose pipe around in the greenhouse and not worry about it going onto the floor either so there's there's lots of uh, of questions still out there and, and the change will be i mean i'm hoping not to lose anything but it, there's definitely going to be some plants that will take a hit some plants don't do great to change do they no yeah so i'm I, I, you you so you have a lot of 
a lot of ideas here and I, I love the exposed brick, you know, exposed brick is great. And if you could just create like a green wall on the brick wall, that would look stunning with all different so shades of green with different color cut types of plants. I'm very excited to see what you, what you end up doing. What's the timeline with this? Well, I'm thinking two years because I'm in a property, uh, which is a listed property. So it, it means that I'm going to have to get planning permission and, and it's quite strict within the area where I am. It's an area of outstanding beauty in the Midlands. So it, it, it took it took a couple of years for the other for the other house that we built. So for this one, I'm I'm hoping latest by 2024, we should be rocking and rolling and moving things in. Oh, man. Two years is a long time, but still. It I'm... is a long time. <laughs> Pre- preparation is key. I'm a believer that uh, sort of fail to prepare and prepare to fail. And with something like this, you don't want mold you don't want anything growing up a wall with no you know water being able to escape or causing any problem to the foundations it's definitely something that you want to you know do it right the first time right and yeah well said you want to do it right and make sure that everything is in order 100 percent, 100 percent. otherwise can you imagine the problems afterwards exposing to having to, to deal with things underneath the house and all sorts it would be a nightmare and then you have to move your plants again, and that would just defeat the whole purpose of. Yeah, move house. Yeah, no, definitely no. It's, it's take time with these things. I, I, I do things, and I've done things in in my youth. I mean, I, I still believe I'm moderately young, but often, often in haste. And and as I get older, I I think more, um, and I spend more time thinking about what I'm doing, and realize that if I do spend that tiny more amount of time, uh, it might amount to more as well. Right. So, hey, let me ask you this. You mentioned that you've connected with so many other plant parents on social media. Yes. Over the pandemic. Who would you love to meet that you haven't met yet? You know what? I, I Every single person that I have spoken to, chatted to, written a comment to, um, I lie. There's been one person that was an absolute... I'm not sure if I can repeat any type of word on this show, but and one person that wasn't very nice, the others, out of the thousands of people have been absolutely gold. And if I could meet any of the people that I've spoken to, conversed with, and had moments where we shared a passion with, I'd be happy. I'd love to meet all of them. There's no one person. Do you know what I mean? I'm not, um, I, 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 I draw drawn to a person and to, to who they are and to the help that you give them and that exchange and that experience with them. So I don't know if there's, I don't know if there's one person. I'm not really somebody. Um, I don't know if I, I'm somebody that chases the famous person. I think it's about the connections because sometimes there could be somebody famous uh, that doesn't even have the time to to exchange with you. Do you know what I mean? Or somebody slightly more well known. So I think I I privilege the exchange with the person. So any of those people that I've chatted with, and if anybody even listens, it would be it would be an honor and an absolute pleasure to meet them. I'd feel like most of these people are family or friends already. Do you know what I mean? Like, even if I met you now, Dave, I'd run up to you and give you a big hug. I'd be like, Dave, right, mate, right. this is unbelievable. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, like I know you already. Right. I, I agree. I feel like there's so many good conversations that are had over Instagram and, you know, over t- over the past few years, you know, and it's like I, I've created and, you know, so have you so many relationships with these people through the internet and I've never seen them in person. So it's, it's this weird connection that, that we have that is normalized in today's day and era. 
Totally. And it's weird to think about that. And when, when you say that, it's normalized in today's world. It, it is that because you look at my dad and he'll look at you thinking, what the hell are you doing? You're talking to a complete stranger. People don't do that. Do you know what I mean? But, but right. people with a shared passion as well. And I feel like if you share some sort of connection, you know, whether it be a passion for plants or whatever, you've already broken down so many human barriers to that person. Do you know what I mean? You're, you're the tiny human that's, that's not wearing any masks suddenly because you found your little, your little friend that you can share your planty stuff with that you can't do that with everybody. You're sort of demasked and it's, it's that weird you that's coming out and that's been able to be yourself with somebody else to understand. You know what I mean? Right. And I think that's why I love social media is because I can just be me and put myself out there and there's no judgment for it, especially in the plant community. I mean, other niches within Instagram. Yeah. There's a lot of judgment going on, but I feel like our community is a relatively safe community and all the conversations that we have with folks are, are good because they're about something. We have a shared interest. We want to grow our plants together and we teach each other and it's very open. I I'm a big fan of it and it's, it's, it's unique. Unique. And, and I mean, maybe not for you, but for me kind of reassuring. I mean, I went from just having this by myself to, to talking to people that I look at and think, wow, you look really normal. Um, and you're and you're into the same thing as me. Do you know what I mean? And even yeah. I've now I've now physically met up with people that actually live moderately close to me, and we share an interest for plants. It's it's incredible. Even most of the plants that I buy now are through these connections rather than in shops. Right, right. Because they're always ahead of the game. A lot of the shops. I love supporting local business, small local business, smaller plant shops. But yeah. a lot of the times, like you can get something from a private seller faster and at a better price than if you would find at a plant shop. Totally. And you, you know what? These plant shops, I'm not saying all small businesses. I'm talking about maybe bigger, bigger warehouse places over here or garden centers, as we, we say. Okay. Um, the, 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 these guys get them for cheaper than private sellers, unless private sellers are importing them, obviously. And so they've, they've already got a bigger margin. That's what bluffs me. So these private sellers or just passionate people that aren't private sellers, but just people that make cuttings sometimes and swap with you are, are, are actually buying it for more expensive than what these garden centers would buy it for, but are still selling them for cheaper just because it's about a passion. It's about a love. It's about wanting to share more than making a profit. It might just be something that's worth the same as a swap or what, whatever it's worth rather than searching a sort of profitable benefit. Do you know what I mean? Right, right. And I think that it goes back to the purpose of being in the plant community. And are you making, are you wanting to make a quick buck or do you actually care? Totally. I literally, I have had people and like David, I mean, there's been this, this one guy who's become like a family friend. He's, he's a couple of, uh, I'd say, probably a decade older than me. Even my mother speaks to him now. Um, he's an absolute legend. Um, and he's the nicest guy ever. And we've been chatting for probably over a year now. I feel like he's like a, a big brother or an uncle. And he's actually sent me, I mean, we send each other stuff now. But to begin with, he used to send me some of the plants. He works, actually, in a rare plant facility. So they work in this place where they grow lots of rare plants. And he sent me some stuff for free, David. I mean, you know the world that we live in. Nothing is free, David. So 
So for the, some of the generosity of some of these people, and he had no plant shop, he's not asking me to put him on his on his Instagram, or there's no paid sponsorship, there's nothing. This person is a better person than me, David. He's, he's randomly connected with me, saw my collection, thought this would be a really nice addition, spent money sending it in the post, not asking me for anything, and then saying, did you get it? You know what I mean? It's, it's people like that that I've met along the way and I'm saying the plant community because that's the community that I'm in. But, you know, for other people, this, this might be something that's in other communities as well. But it, it sort of restored my faith in mankind. I think from when I was a city worker in Paris and, and living the big city life, um, one of the reasons that I, I resourced and sort of rewilded to a certain extent um, what was the hustle and bustle and, and the loss of faith in humanity. And I think that plant community has also given me more faith in humans again if i put it completely bluntly yeah i would have to agree with that i love hearing your stories and your experience and it's it's very similar to what other people have expressed to me and yeah. the, the theme of generosity and community is very apparent within the plant world totally totally and it's 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 emotional. I'm not just saying it, but you know, it, it, it's reduced me to tears sometimes at how generous people are, even if it's not to me. Do you know what I mean? There's, there's, yeah. there's this one person that does random acts of kindness every month. Will ask people, send me a message in, let me know why somebody deserves something, and will send that person something. Do you know what I mean? It's people like that that we need more people of in our world. I agree. So, yeah, I it's, agree. It's, it's heartwarming, Dave. It's heartwarming. So I know that we are kind of getting to the end of our time here. And I wanted to ask you, you know, you have so many plants in your collection. What yeah. is your, what's your favorite plant? Or in other words, like if you could be one plant, yeah. what would you be and why? If I could be a plant, I mean, if, as if I needed to be any more weird. Do you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> if I could... I mean, maybe I should rephrase this. I, I have slowly over time been attempting to make my top plant list, right? And it's, it's very difficult. I do not have one favorite plant. However, there are two plants that I have been able to say that if there was a fire, I would save these two first. Okay, and what so are they? The, the, the first one would be a Florida ghost. Okay. And it is, it's not the rarest of plants. It's a plant that for me is like a solid, it's, I don't know, it's like the Black Sabbath or the Pink Floyd or the Bon Jovi or, or Bjorn or, you know, the Spice Girls. It's something that will always be there. Nobody will ever forget. They were classics. And, and this plant will for me always be a classic, but at the same time is exotic. You've got variegation in it. That is nearly stable. We're not talking about chimeric variegation. You've got size of leaves that grow bigger and bigger so that they're bigger than your face. You've got shape, which is 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 sheer sexuality as far as the shape, the shape of that, that leaf is concerned. It's it's insane. I, I'm not going to lie. I love these type of leaves. So and, and it's a climber. So for me, it's sort of ticking all boxes in that list. So the Florida ghost would definitely be the the first one probably that I'd save, and then I'm, I, it might go to the um, the Anthurium vicii after that. I am, 
I'm a very big fan of those long ribbed leaves. I think they're magnificent. I I think that we share some commonalities here because I have a Florida green yes. with no variegation and it is absolutely stunning. Like I'm Isn't obsessed it? with that. I couldn't even imagine if it did have variegation because I it's one of my favorite plants in my collection. And then I recently received a um a philodendron squammy. Squam- oh, yeah. Which is similar, right? Because the green is a hybrid. So I'm excited to have neither of them are variegated, which is fine. But I'm excited to see what they look like side by side when they're both mature. Totally, the the squammy. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's the furry petiole. Yes. 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 Okay, I I found them. I've only got a I've got a tiddler as far as the specimen is concerned. But I found them to be fatter and less pointy. The leaves. Yes. Yes, and and and, and I, I so yeah, I, I love it. For me, it's the hair that does it for me. I know yeah. it sounds weird. It's like the varicosum. It's the hair that does it for me. I think any plant that's going to give me some hair like that one, I need. Yes, some of those, some <laughs> of those begonias. You know what I mean? I need some yep. of them. I don't even not too begonia, but if it's got hair on, I'm going to buy it. It's just I don't it's, know. It's, maybe it's a sensory thing. It's unique, and it's like when you touch it, it has that. It, it touch is another form of appreciation when it comes to plants right you, you have the, you have the sight and you can see but like the feeling of it is just not what you expect and so i think that especially with like the ribbed leaves on the vici right another right. It, it they're they're hard they're not soft it's just an, a whole nother um century experience there totally and you know bringing it back to day job like marketing for me i always believe that if you can if you can attack everyone's five senses with a product with a brand with an experience then you've got them if, if they can smell something if they can feel something if they can touch something if they can see something and when you tick all of these boxes and i think don't get me wrong but with a plant you know it's it's the same don't get me wrong i'm not going to go around sniffing green leaves but if it had a flower that smelt good that's something else if the plant was already attractive to you that, that would make you want it even more i agree you summed it up very nicely. Well, hey, Johnny, I am so grateful that we finally got to connect. You are a great person to speak to, and your viewpoint on plants is amazing. Oh, um, dude, it's been absolutely phenomenal. Honestly, it's been an absolute pleasure and an absolute honor. I can't thank you enough. It's been so lovely to speak to you. Sure. And, you know, I'd love to chat with you again sometime. We just need to find a date in the next six months or so. I would love to have you back and hear about some of the new plants that you've brought into your collection but um i i know it's getting late over in the uk so i will let you go i hope that storm passes without any damage fingers crossed david it's been an absolute pleasure thank you again buddy and i hope to catch up with you soon